You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. We wrap season two of the Ramp Podcast with a super special guest. It's Mr. Kevin K.D. Dorsey. K.D. is your sales leader's sales leader, sales leader. We dive into many topics on this podcast, including what the right mentality is to win and succeed at work, why reading is such an important part of anybody's journey, especially salespeople, and how to find yourself, your own true self within your work and act and feel comfortable within your skin in a professional environment. I learned so much from Kevin in this conversation, and I can't say enough good things about both his career trajectory, what he's done mentoring and coaching and helping folks throughout tech and other industries. And I'm honored that he stopped by on the Ramp Podcast to share his wisdom and guidance with all of us. I know you're going to love the last episode of season two of the Ramp Podcast. And on a personal note, thank you all so much for coming along on our journey this season. We've had such amazing guests from top to bottom. The roster has been stacked and we are excited to announce that we'll be back for season three in the coming months. For now, please enjoy this episode with Kevin K.D. Dorsey. For now, please enjoy this episode of the Ramp Podcast with K.D. All right, welcome back to the show. Today I am here with one of my favorite voices in sales, Kevin KD Dorsey. He's currently the VP of Inside Sales at Patient Pop. He's a mentor at 500 Startups. He was the head of sales development and enablement at Service Titan, and he was the VP of Sales of Snack Nation, amongst a slew of other things. KD, welcome to the show. Pumped to be here, my man. I feel like this is a long time coming, so pumped to be here, and we're, we're going to get after it. This should be good. Yeah, I am. I'm very excited. The Ramp crew is very excited to have you on and I'm sure our audience is going to love it. Before we jump into things, would love to hear your story. Tell us who is KD? Who? Boy, who is KD? I am a son. I am a brother. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a black male in, in an industry that is not very diverse, you know, and I think at my core, I'm a teacher. You know, it's something that I have done most of my life. I have been the captain of most teams, most clubs. I've taught, I've coached, I coach my teams. And so if I think about like what I identify with the most, it's, it's a teacher. I love to share what I'm learning with those around me and hope that it can make an impact. So that's, that's who I believe I am, right? But that's what I believe. Who knows what everyone else believes, but that's, that's who I see KD as. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I like, I really like when people come on the podcast and start with who they are as a person, not professionally. So I, I appreciate that. It helps the audience get to know you a little bit better too. And uh, I mean, everybody can see it on all your, your online presence. You're always coaching, you're always dropping knowledge on folks. So really appreciate that that sentiment is echoed and you believe it to your core because we can certainly see it as, as folks who, who follow you online. Want to jump in 
to our our questions. Reminder for folks, How I Sell Season 2, we are asking the same five questions to all of our guests to get to know apples to apples comparisons from some of the greatest sales leaders in the industry. So our first question here today, what is the best investment an early career salesperson can do for themselves and why? Reading. Reading by far. I don't think there is anything else that has the same short-term and long-term benefits as becoming an avid reader, right? So read, you know, you can read on sales. That's great. There's tons of great stuff out there, but also read on decision-making, read on habit building, read on mindset, read on stress, read on sociology, how we act as human beings, right? Because every role, whether it's sales or something else, you're interacting with humans, And we are a very, very complicated but simple group of creatures. We are very complicated and very unpredictable. At the same time, a lot of us have the same core wants, needs, desires, and fears, right? So I would say reading is the the best place to start because, you know, I tell people getting into their whatever their career is. Like, obviously, I love sales. I'll vouch for sales all day long. But why take 20 years to get good at something if you can learn from someone who did it for 20 years? Like why, why wait, why struggle, right? Like if I wrote a book, I'm going to share my struggles and what I've learned, right? You could go read Jeb Blount, Keenan, Scott, Lease, right? There's so much good stuff out there. So I'd start with that 10 pages a day. If you read 10 pages a day, you'll finish one to two books a month, right? That's 20 a year. Do that for three years straight and tell me you're not a different person after reading 60 books on how to be a better person. So that's that's far and away my number one. And it's cheap, y'all. It's cheap. We're talking 20 bucks a book, nine bucks on Kindle. Come on now. Such a such an easy and often forgotten one. I love it. You can obviously see in the video format here that your your shelves are stocked with books. So you're 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 living that too. Why do you think? I mean, look at it. I was somebody that really didn't start reading until after college. And in college, whenever I got a reading assignment, it was like, yeah, God, I do not want to do this. Why is reading so difficult for folks? Because Truthfully, because we were never taught how. We were never taught how to read, first of all, meaning reading for retention. We were taught how to read to understand words, but we were never taught how to read for retention. Most people still sub-vocalize, right? We say the words in our head while we're reading. So we were never taught how to read fast either, which is big. We we're also never taught how to take notes, but we were never taught the value of reading. We we're always told we had to read. And so we associated reading with having to do something. Right. If you want to pass this class, you have to read this book and you're going to read this book just to get that grade. Now, you were reading that book just to get that grade, not because you enjoyed it or because you were learning something. So that's why I think it's hard is like people don't understand the value of it, which is why I try to preach it so much. Like I would not be sitting here today if it weren't for the hundreds. I think I have I'm over 500 books now on my Kindle, 300 on my Audible. I don't know if it's going to be video or just audio, but like got a hundred some books in my office. I've got two boxes of them out in the garage. Like there's so much, like one of my biggest fears, I can't read enough. There's so much out there that I'm not going to be able to learn because I don't have the time. So if you're in college still, y'all, and you're listening, start reading now, even if it's just biographies of great people, because great people can inspire you to be great. But it's, oh man, I wish people did it. I really do. It's such a game changer. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. And I think it is that, that one word, right? You had to read. There's somebody 
pushing you. I don't know how you were as a kid or coming up through college, but whenever somebody told me I had to do something, my initial reaction was like, no, I don't. So that's right. You know, and, and reading was always something you had to do. So now reading for fun, you have to unwind your mind a little bit and wrap your head around the fact that there's so much benefit out there. So I love that. Um, question number two. What is the biggest surprise you experienced early in your career and why? Ooh, biggest surprise early in my career. I would say truthfully that my biggest surprise early in my career is I thought people had their shit figured out and they didn't. You follow me here? Like when, when you yeah. look up to adults and, you know, business owners and directors and VPs and CEOs and venture capital firms, like, whoa, like they really know what they're doing. And then you get into it and realize they don't really know what they're doing. They are winging it just like everybody else. And that really like shook me early in my career. Cause like these people that I looked up to or these people that I aspired to be like realizing that one, they weren't gods. They weren't idols. They weren't perfect. They had flaws, many of them. Right. And a lot of times they weren't anything special. They weren't that different. And I think that was something that definitely surprised me, like getting into like the professional world, because like you just, you do, you look up to these people and you just assume that they've got it all figured out and they don't. So I think that that was one of my earliest surprises early in my career. When do you think you figured that out? And what do you think you did with that information? So I, I figured it out, honestly, when, you know, I was having conversations with people like, you know, about things that I was reading and like no one else was reading and then you know, about time management, like, you know, actions and no one was following that or why. So I'm a big question asker. I like to know, okay, so like, why do you do this? Like, what have you learned to get to this point? And how many people's answers are like, I don't know, it's just how I do it. They didn't know why they were doing what they were doing. Right. And then also too, then to live it, like I was able to catch people very quickly in my career, very quickly. I'm younger than most people realize. There's, I think people assume that I'm older than I am, even though I still got the baby face. Like I'm younger, right? And I've already led three very, very successful sales teams, been a part of two unicorns at this point, right? Like I've been able to do a lot. And it's because of once understand the people around you are nothing special, you don't allow yourself to meet their level. You can go beyond them. And this is also where a lot of people get in trouble in their careers and in their social lives is they surround themselves with people that keep them on the same level. And oftentimes we almost feel bad outgrowing our crew. We feel bad outshining our fellow team members. We feel bad getting promoted before somebody else just because we were there for a shorter period of time. And so like we'll pull ourselves back. That was how I applied it. It's like, well, wait a minute. If I can outlearn and outwork the people around me, I mean, the sky's the limit. It actually gave me a lot of confidence. Like, okay, like I can do this. Like if this is the best of the best, I can do this because I'm going to outwork this person and I'm going to outlearn this person and it's going to pay off for me. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I think uh, a few operative words there, but uh, outwork was something that for me was a preconceived notion I came into the workforce with is that everybody in the workforce works exceptionally hard every day and just puts in max effort and that's how you get to the top. And I think I realized that in month like three or six where, you know, you're looking around at the group that you come in with and folks work differently. Everybody has a different tolerance to do work or, you know, willingness to do work. And if you just kind of go a little bit extra everywhere you're, you're, you're looking, you will, you will rise. That's just, that's just not a fact. Yeah. It's not hard. I tell my team, outworking people is easy. 
it is easy to outwork people. Like most people don't actually understand what hard work is. But the key here, notice I said outwork, not work harder. There's a Mm -hmm. big difference Mm -hmm. because working hard is a feeling. Most people do feel like they're working hard. Work so hard. But are you outworking? Meaning, are you getting more work done Yep. per hour per day than the people you're around, right? It's easy to outwork people. That's not hard at all, right? Just takes a little bit of focus, a little bit of like, you know, task management and a good goal to stick with. That's easy. Combine that with outlearning, right? Because this is, you just mentioned it. I think this is what people forget. There, there's this quote that goes around often, right? That says, hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard, Right. And people get, it gets people fired up. They're like, yeah, rah, rah, and all this. It's not true, y'all. I'm going to burst your bubble here real quick. If I am twice as good at something as you, how hard do you have to work to beat me? Well, potentially two times as hard, potentially, or more. You got to do to beat me. Yep. You have to work 2.2 times harder than me. Talent does beat hard work. 90% of the time. And that's going back to the first question where like that desire for learning, if you're better at something, you actually don't have to work as hard at it. That's the beauty of developing a skill, right? And people seem to forget that. They come out of college like, oh, I'm just going to work my way to the top. Or you could get better at your job. Yep. That like, if I'm two times better, you can't beat me. You can't. I would have to not work. And that's not going to happen. So skill development is crucial. Yep. Yep. I think that's totally right. I think that's totally right. Early in my career, I watched folks, I was an early employee at Groupon, watched folks come up the ranks who would clock in at nine, leave at five, but they were aces, complete aces. They did not have to actually put in those extra hours to make it work. And they would, you know, forex their quota. Mm-hmm. Thinking of a few folks in mind that just like came in, grinded it out, had the best conversations. There'd be like a little powwow around these people because they're listening at how great their calls were. And this just didn't come naturally. They worked to get to that point so that they could take off at five and peace out and still crush their quota. So yeah, agreed. Agreed. Moving on to to question three. And this one's a little deep. What is one mistake that you made early in your career that shaped the way you operate today? Tried to pretend to be someone I wasn't. I think that was the the biggest mistake. And I did it twice before I really like leaned into like who who am I? You know, I had an early mentor who I really, really looked up to who didn't have the best, you know, let's call it some of the best habits. He wasn't the best like person. He was a very good, very good business person. I learned a lot from him. He also had some not so good like personal habits. And those were things that I found myself getting like pulled into or thinking were okay or lowering my standards around. All right. So I was trying to be too much like him. And then when I got into um, my next like leadership role, right at an early stage company, same idea. Like I was, you know, the only literally the only black employee at the only at the company. And just, I found myself really, I wanted to fit in with everybody. Right. So I I talked differently. I dressed differently. Like I I wanted to be one of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like, people can tell when you're disauthentic, even if you're really trying, there's something like they, they may not consciously know, but they can feel it. It's like, ah, there's something off. That's not really him. That's not how he actually is. And so it took me a long time to finally lean in and go, Okay, how do I want to act and behave? 
what makes me feel good as a person? And when I really started, like, I didn't always wear the black hat and the black and I got the chain. I got the tattoo, right? I had that shit covered. Like I didn't, like I wasn't allowing myself to be me. And once I started leaning into that, not only did, truthfully, my career really start to accelerate, but my fulfillment in life accelerated, right? And I'd rather make 100K fulfilled than 250K unfulfilled. And to your young audience listening right now, you might hear that and go, that's BS. That's not true. Like, I'll be way more fulfilled at 250 than 100. Not if you're not being yourself and not if you're not living up to your values and not if you have to lie to yourself every single day and not if you're miserable at work. I'm telling you right now, having gone through it, you won't, right? You'll, you'll back off from that real quick. So that was an early mistake. Is not being my authentic self. It's been a big change and a very, very positive change for me. Because also too, like there are people that don't vibe with who I am. Cool. We don't need to be <laughs> friends. We don't need to spend time together. You don't vibe with who I am as a person. Perfect. I'm going to surround myself with people that do. Right. I'm going to find my tribe. I'm going to surround myself with people that do get down with that. And here we go. Yep. Yep, that's that's exceptional advice and it's not easily learned and I will offer up something here and why it's not easily learned is because you go into work thinking you've got to act in this professional way and you shut off your personality and I think what I'm sure I did early in my career, maybe without knowing it, is just like I'm work mode and then I'm personal mode. And in work, you're one person and when you're out of work, you're another. And I think finding the way to kind of blend those is really difficult for some folks who are coming in trying to impress and, you know, obviously looking to work hard, improve in their career right away and hit the next step. How do you blend those two or how do you become your authentic self within a workforce or culture? And I guess, you know, to, to go one off that is like, if you're, if you're in a place that doesn't support that, what do you do? Well, people know the answer to that question. They know it. They're just afraid to answer it. If you are in an environment where you cannot be yourself, you cannot be your true self. The answer is obvious. It's just scary. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's worth it. You find somewhere else because the impact that will have on your life I can't, I can't even put to words, which sounds dramatic and cheesy, but it's the case. When you are able to walk into a workplace and be you and not be afraid of it, very free, right? Because the other part is back to kind of what I was saying before about how I thought I wouldn't get together. Everyone's faking it. Everyone's faking it. Yep. Right. Yep. Like, so understand that and be like, well, wait a minute. If everyone's faking it, who am I actually trying to be like? Think about that real quick. You are trying to be like someone who's not being like themselves. Yep. You are becoming a knockoff version of someone else's knockoff version. So start being yourself. Now, real quick to people listening, this does not mean that you walk into the office with some baggy jeans and a do-rag and cap backwards and cussing left and right. You need to be professional. You need to be professional, but you shouldn't have to change who you are, right? So just lean in. To it. And if you don't know who you are, start paying attention. What brings you joy? When do you light up? When do you get the most excitement in life? What are the things you like to talk about and read and do in your spare time? Find people like to do those things, right? You might be shocked how many people at your company like to go camping. You might be shocked, but you never talk about it because they never talk about it because they're afraid to talk about it because nobody talks about it, right? So like lean into it. Everyone else is faking too. So stop trying to be the fake version of somebody else. Yep. 
Yep, that's great. We just uh, we went we went a layer deeper. We went you know inception there within within the dream within the self. So I, I like it. I like it. And I think frankly, I think quitting is a skill. You know, there's so many folks that just stick at a place for years and years and years. And I'm sure you have these people in your your own network, your personal network, who are just like, man. Every time you meet them, I just I hate I hate what I do. I hate the company. And we're like, you know, why, why don't you get out of there? It's just so it's so difficult. Yeah to be learned because you've got so much pressure like presumed pressure out there that you're going to be looked at some way if you quit but really it's you got to do you you have to find yourself what's the, the again another quote that's just full of bs right winners never quit quitters never win <laughs> right no winners are great quitters they just right. know what to quit they know what to quit lebron james quit football yep he quit it he knew what to quit and remove all other distractions, right? Yep. Like, you know what the right things to quit. These business leaders that you see, you know, people love to talk about Steve Jobs. Go read Steve Jobs, like, history, right? He studied, like, calligraphy and Zen and meditation. He had multiple failed businesses. He quit multiple jobs. He got fired from his own company and then eventually came back. The Steve Jobs that we know and saw till his later years was the byproduct of 50 years of quitting things yep. Yep. until he got there, right? So quit, quitting the wrong things is actually very powerful. Yep. Yep. I mean, some of the best uh, tech folks too, the, the best current um, CEOs in tech quit often. You know, Jack Dorsey didn't find uh, Twitter or Square until his 30s. He is, you know, uh, an artist or dabbled in many career opportunities before even finding Twitter and then Square. You know, these folks are out there and they don't succeed until way later in their lives. They're, they're quitting things that don't feel right to get to the one that actually works. So yeah, totally, totally great. Question number four, who has had the greatest impact on your career? And could you expand upon that a bit? So I will say, um, David, my first mentor, he far and away has had the biggest impact on my career because he's who got me into reading. He's who got me into to reading. I was not a reader in college. I wasn't a reader in high school. That wasn't who I, who I was, right? He took a chance on a, you know, a young black college dropout individual to come in. And I was doing personal training at the time to work at his gym. And I think he saw a background in me that was similar to some of his background. And he took me in and he sat me down after like a couple months and said, you know, Hey, like, do you want to be a millionaire? I want to be a millionaire. I said, yeah, I want to be a millionaire. He's like, being a millionaire would make you pretty happy. I said, yeah, it'd make me happy. He's like, you sure? Are you sure you want to be a millionaire? I'm like, yes, absolutely. He said, all right, cool. So if I gave you a million dollars right now in a briefcase, but you couldn't spend it, would you be happy? I said, well, no. And he said, why not? You told me being a millionaire would make you happy. You have a million dollars. You are now a millionaire. Why aren't you happy? And I said, well, because I can't do anything with it. And he said, like, exactly. You don't want to be a millionaire. You want to be able to do the things you believe a millionaire can do. And that's the way you need to think. You need to become a millionaire before you can become a millionaire, right? And understanding all those things, he got me into goal setting. He handed me a book called Think and Grow Rich. And that book changed mm -hmm. my life, not great simply book. because the book itself was that great. And there's also some been interesting insights on whether or not a lot of that even actually happened, which is pretty interesting if y'all go down that rabbit hole. But the book itself, the concepts great. But it was the first time in my life that I realized I controlled my destiny, that like I could set goals, the better I was, the better my life would be. And so he's who got me into to reading. 
And if I hadn't gotten into that, I don't think I'd be where I am today. So David, David takes it. That's awesome. And a couple of questions off that. I wonder that that book is great. It's more uh, for me, it was like how uh, I could, you know, almost put the thoughts into my head to make myself or try to become more successful. That was the realization there. And, uh, you know, it is it is a super interesting book. There's some crazy stuff in that book. I wish I actually read it when I was like 18 instead of like 24, to be honest. But the, can the other... Back, can I ask you yep. a question back? Do you think you would have been ready at 18? If you read it at 18, do you think it would have had the same impact at 18 as it did at 24? It's probably... It's a good question. I I don't think I would have gotten the same thing out of it. I think I probably would have taken like some of the actions in that book too, literally, and then ended up driving myself crazy because I wasn't succeeding at the level of these like, you know, uh, world changers back in the, the 1900s. Yeah. So, because that's part of it too. And this is also why I encourage people to reread books because you are a different person a year later, two years later. I reread Think and Grow Rich every January and I have for the last 13 years. It's awesome. Every January because I'm a different person every year. And that's book, that book is what started. I still get something new or different from it every single time. So coming back to it's key because if I had read it at 18, who the hell knows what I would have done at 18, <laughs> right? I probably would have read it and been like, oh, I want to be a rapper still, right? Yeah. Who knows what I would you know, That's so like timing is everything in life sometimes. And so having having that time, which is curious, right? Like would I have been ready for it at 18? I don't think so. I don't think yep. I would have been ready. Yep. That's right. That's right. I'm le- I'm learning something too from you right now. So I, I I am going to commit to reading that again, and then we'll see what cadence I should yes. be reading that too. Because that's uh, that that's that's right. I read it too. It's been too many years. I'm a, I'm certainly a different person than I was at 24. Question for folks off of that last one on how to find you know when you, when you find somebody that's having that impact, do you know it in the moment? And and if you don't, you know how do you find a mentor like that? How do you find somebody that's going to guide you in your career? So there's probably mentors around you already that we just don't pay attention to. Like, who are the people around you who do push you to achieve more, who do have higher expectations for you than you have of yourself? And sometimes are the very people that we avoid. Oh, like, I hate that teacher. Oh, I hate that boss. Like, that might be a mentor in waiting there because they have a higher expectation for you than you have of yourself. That's a great quality of a mentor, right? The second part of it was just being proactive and reach out, right? So when I was first becoming a VP of sales, I reached out to five VPs of sales a week for a year looking for mentorship. Y'all can do that math real quick, all mm-hmm. right? Talk about over 250 VPs across a year reaching out saying, hey, my name's Kevin. I went by Kevin back then. I wasn't cool enough yet to go by KD. <laughs> you know, I'm a first-time VP of sales, And I'm looking for help and mentorship to learn, discuss struggles with, and hopefully avoid some of the same mistakes I'm sure you went through your first time. Would you be willing to have a conversation from time to time to help me on my journey? That's how I met Scott Lease and Kevin Gaither and Colin Coggins and Dave Brock, right? But it took 250 because there are other names where I had conversations. There's other mentors that fell off. There are other names in there where I got to speak when I knew it wasn't going to be a good fit, right? Where they were in it for themselves and not for me, right? Like, so all those things are there, but reach out, but reach out to people one to two steps ahead of you. Yep. This is actually, it's not like just some advice here, y'all. If you are just getting into the sales game, just getting in. I may not be the best mentor for you. Reach out to someone who just got into the sales game two years ago and is succeeding. Yep. And then you become an AE. And okay, well, 
Well, now you want to become a manager, start reaching out to managers. You become a manager, then start reaching out to director. You're like, work your way up just to, because they can give you very tactical and tangible advice of what they just went through, right? So that would be my advice is reach out, but don't, what's the like, you know, shoot for the stars, you know, fall in the clouds or some nonsense. Like, don't reach out to, you know, Bezos or... Oh, I'm blanking on names right now, like Brunson and right, who's right. who the Mavs, the Mavs guy. What Mark Cuban. There we go. Mark, you're like, don't reach out to Mark Cuban for mentorship. Yeah. Like reach out to someone two years ahead of you. That's the, the key. That's right. That's right. Because they can actually guide you step by step versus like, yeah, well, back in my day, here's what I did at a very high level, 10,000 foot view, you know, that's, that's great advice. That's great advice. And what I, what I love is the tactic there of actually hitting up five people every single week to get to the goal you wanted, which was a few mentors. I think that's often lost is like, it's again, this is that concept you brought up in the beginning of it is work smart. It's at work, but like nobody does that, right? Nobody is going around hitting up five people. Nobody's reading 10 pages a day, breaking these goals down to increments that are manageable and you can you can consume versus like, I need to read a hundred books this year. Oh yeah, but not if you don't start with 10 pages a week or 10 pages a night. So we'll, we'll get you out of here on this last question. Question five, we ask all our guests, if you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give yourself as you were entering your career? So coming out of Wisconsin, and and why build something of my own sooner build something of my own sooner would have been the advice and you know buy apple and amazon stock um <laughs> very early on but um, you know it would be to you know start building something on your own on the side earlier because you learn a lot building things on your own i've always had a little bit of the entrepreneurial kind of like itch but i didn't start till later in in life because also too i had the limiting belief of like you know i i didn't have enough money to do it versus like you can actually go you can find money there's money out there and there's like several ideas i look back at like man if i just had like five grand at the time that probably would have worked yep but i didn't have enough to get it going right and so i would tell myself you know start building something of your own earlier because if you want to create like real wealth real wealth need to own something, right? You need to own it. And that's, that would be the advice looking back that I'd give myself. Like, again, depending on the age group, if I'm already reading good, okay, good. Keep reading all that fine. But I'd say start building something, right? Start building something as you go, start building content earlier, make a course, make a product, shoot, maybe even teach myself how to code 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I could already have built what I want to build, right? So that, that'd probably be my advice, build something of my own, earlier. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice, especially the part about, you know, owning it. And even if it didn't work in the first version, you at least get that rep in of I've put something out there of my own on my own volition that I built and okay, V1, shoot, didn't work, but you know, I already built something. Now I'm a multi-time entrepreneur, whatever you want to call yourself, right? But you've gotten the first one out. So that's great advice. And I think folks, you know, could could certainly learn a lot from that right now. Well, KD, this this has been great. Where can people find you? So you can you can definitely find me on LinkedIn and give me a follow there. Unfortunately I'm at the thirty thousand connection limit. So I can't accept any more <laughs> connections, which is just silly. So you can follow me there. I have a podcast as well called Live Better, Sell Better. 
And I do have a Patreon group where I go pretty in depth on training. It's called Inside Sales Excellence. So training, everything, you know, discovery, cold calling, mindset, goal setting, all that's in there, you know, hour long sessions and everything. So that's where they can find me and, you know, hope this is valuable for everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We hope to uh, to chat with you again. And folks out there, do take them up on this opportunity. KD is one of the absolute best voices in sales. We love him over here at Ramped and I know you will too. So absolutely hit him up where, uh, where you can and when you can. Thanks again, KD. We really, really appreciate all your time today. Absolutely, my man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Ramped Podcast. To access our show notes, the Ramped platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.